And yesterday, we had a bunch of hard-working people, mostly our ladies group, provide a lot of grit, a lot, a lot, a lot of great food at the funeral yesterday. And I want to just show a round of applause as appreciation for these ladies that put in hard work. Um, whoever is not good at it would know, one, how blessed you are to know how to cook. And two, can only fathom how much work it takes. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So I was, I was grateful for that, and the family was grateful for that. And uh, Lord knows we have so much food. Church, I'm not kidding you. We have so much food that as soon as all this is over over here, we're, we're reheating the food. And you're welcome to stay. And because we're having a graduation party for Isaac at one. And you know what? If you intended to come, you know what? You're going to be there for the food. And then we'll say, hey, thanks for coming. We'll see you later. I mean, it's fine. So, but bless God. It was, it was a good day yesterday. Great day to honor, honor Denny. And uh, praise God, the spirit of the Lord is here. Amen. You know, I commended the ladies group and I want to commend you. I want to commend you for your worship. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can do that. You can do that. Because here, here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. When you roll out the red carpet for the Holy Spirit to move, when you start priming that pump, we talked about it. We talked about about a month and a half ago, I got up here and I got a little audacious with something I said. Maybe it was about two months ago now. I said, we stepped on the presence of the Holy Spirit. And church, I would argue to say, you haven't done that since. Um, it's been amazing. But what, what I love, I love those, if you've been here Sunday after Sunday, you're, you're tuned into what God is doing, you can, you can see it. It's obvious. And I'm so thankful for how God has been preparing the heart of this church for quite some time. And so there's some things I'm going to do before I get to my message today, asking you, have you seen it? Have you seen what God is doing? I want you to ponder this. Had we never dedicated ourselves to being a missions-focused church, everything that is culminating today would not have happened. I want you to listen to this, some numbers. In 2019, we as a church gave $9,009 to missions. It was at the end of that year that you started giving 5% of your tithe and offering to Mike and Dara Rossavon. In 2020, we gave just a shade under 24,000 to missions. 2021, we gave $53,000 to missions. Yes, give yourself. 
Now you might say, pastor, that doesn't tell the whole story. What was our income like? Where were we sitting? And the best way I can illustrate it is by how much money is in the black at the, at the end of the year, right? So I want you to think about this. 2019, we had $2,700 in the black for the year, $2,700. 2020, $27,000 in the black for 2020. 2021, $39,000 in the black for 2021. So what I want you to see, I want you to see a pattern. I, I don't want you to see a dollar amount. That's not what I'm trying to do here. What I'm trying to see, every time we have increased our giving in missions, what has happened? We've been blessed, right? And that, I, I want you to catch this, that is not by what we do. It is, it is merely God's response to our obedience and generosity, Okay? So you guys hearing me, you you following along so far what I'm telling you. For 2022, we've unveiled this plan, a vision plan for Thailand. If you weren't at the business meeting a few weeks ago, you haven't heard about this yet. Mike and Dara Rasavan, who you started supporting in 2019, Move is going to be building them a church in 2024, January of 2024. They obtain this property and they want to do a three-story learning center on it. And if, you, if you've ever heard about Cambodia and the work that they're doing, and what they're doing is they're giving people uh, skills, computer skills, sewing skills, so that they aren't pressured or tempted into giving their kids into sex trafficking, which is culturally normal there. And not to... Not to give you a shock or because it's not a part of our culture you don't hear about this very often but if you if you have a child and they are a virgin you might sell them to a foreigner that will come over to spend a weekend with them for thirteen thousand dollars and to them that's life-changing money and so what Mike and Dara have done, what Lee and Saren, who we also support, have done, is that they have said, we want to combat this. And the best way we see combating this is showing them that there's another way. There's another way to obtain money. There's another option. And through those options, what's fascinating to me, through those options, they're being introduced to Jesus Christ. And so we as a church, have, we've kind of adopted Mike and Dara as our like superstar missionaries, right? And we have said, we want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of that. So there's, going to, there, there's, there's a team that is forming called Seeds for Asia. There's a team that's forming called Seeds for Asia. And what they're going to do, they're going to start strategizing and talking about how to raise money to get this building accomplished. And what's fascinating, and I love it because, you know what, I, I, I'm an East Sider. I was born and raised on the East Side. I understand the mentality of this church for many, many years. And when someone starts talking about money, immediately you grab your wallet or wherever you stack your wallet, right? You clutch your purse, you do whatever you can. And I want us to think differently. And it, we started thinking differently. I remember talking to Bill and Ted and their excellent adventure when they went down to Mexico. And I, I said, I, I wasn't even a pastor here yet, but I said, you guys should build a house. And they're like, man, that's too much money. How much money is it? I said, $9,600, that's too much money. And immediately, but, but you know what? They decided to do it. And they raised that money in less than two months, right? 
And so, so we as Eastsiders, we need to stop clutching our wallets and thinking so much about, well, how is this going to affect me? And instead say, God, what are you going to do when we step out in obedience and faith and do it? You guys hearing me? Are you catching this fire? I remember when Wendy and I started talking initial numbers and a, people, a few people went, what? Because here's the thing. To build a three-story building in, in Thailand, it's much cheaper in, than in the United States, by the way. Uh, it's about $250,000. And when Wendy and I were talking about it, I was like, man, if over a four-year period, four-year period, we could raise $125,000, that'd be amazing. And you know what? If you look at our track record, that's achievable, right? That's achievable. And here's the thing. We, we, we look at this and we just say, well, we're going to send money over there. No, no, no. See, our church, we're deciding to be invested. We're being invested there, right? And so all of a sudden, what we're doing is we're sending missions teams over there. We're lending support. Are you guys capturing this? See, because I believe God is stirring the heart of the church for people. And his spirit, what it's been doing, it's been pouring out. And we are ready to see God use us for the harvest of souls. Amen? We are ready to see God do that. And we have already begun to see it. But... It brings me to everything that we're doing today. We need room in our parking. We need room in our lobby. We need room for our kids and our youth programs. We need room for fellowship. And how many ladies would say amen that we need room in our kitchen? Okay? And I got to tell you, I've been praying and seeking the Lord for our next step for a long time. Lord, will you make it evident? My attitude is, Lord, I'm not going to move until you make it obvious. And that, that is really the way we ought to approach God because so often we're like, God, I've been given a dream and you're going to support it and you're going to just embrace it and you're going to push me forward. I don't do that. I say, God, make it obvious to me because I don't want to move until you tell me to move. And so when my wife called and informed me that uh, that church was closing, God stirred my heart unlike anything he's done in quite a while. Our leadership team, a team of 14, they walk through April 29th and they all catch the vision for what that space can be. You that walked through on, on Wednesday night a couple weeks ago, you know that it's not there yet, but it can be there. But the th thing is, like any house that like, might be listed TLC, right? It, it, it is move-in ready. It's move-in ready. It just needs work. And so this team of 14, we came back and we discussed it as a team. And there's, they're beginning to discuss the possibilities that, that, that will lead to outreach and draw people in. And right then I wanted to cry. When they were talking about what we can do to draw people in, I, I, I wanted to cry. Because I said, God, this is what you want for your church. 
You want people to be invigorated about what he can do and tell the world. That's what he wants. And so he wants the body of Christ invigorated. He wants us energized to reach people, to not get stuck. Who needs that in their life? You don't want to be stuck. You don't want to be in the same old routine. It's like, it's like walking around in quicksand. The more you move, the more you struggle. You just keep going down further and further and further until you can't breathe. And what I've seen, this pattern, God has blessed us with resources that in the end, we're going to have little to no debt. I want to explain that. Anyone who doesn't know me, and if you haven't learned in the last two years, I'm a numbers guy. It's, I kind of obsess over it. I got a problem. Our offer on the building was $750,000. And I prefer operating under no debt. In fact, uh, less than a month after I got here, we had a, we had a loan on the, uh, the house next door. And Ellen walked into my office one day, and she's like, why don't we pay that off? And I'm like, yeah, why don't we? We had the money. We paid it off. It's just, it's what we did. And so I prefer operating under no debt. And now, as a church, we operate under a monthly surplus. You know, in, I call it in the black. We operate in a monthly surplus of anywhere between $3,500 and $6,000, depending on the month. And so what we agreed when we looked at this church, we're like, We'll put 10% down. And we've already submitted an earnest check of $20,000. And this is what I want you to catch. With the sale of our church buildings and the list price of our homes, we expect to sell everything for $810,000. And we know there are other needs at the building. We know that. Which is the purpose of doing a capital campaign. And if anyone knows me, I refuse to financially compromise this church because I like receiving a paycheck, okay? <laughs> and I believe some of our donation for the new vision that we have is going to come from outside the church. So again, don't, don't have the east side mentality of grabbing your wallet, right? Yeah, we're gonna have to work, but east siders know how to work. I already told Wendy that I'm going to have a cot there the whole first week. I'm not even leaving. And over the, the course of the past several weeks, I have ran into many people from outside the church who are excited for us and what God is going to do through us. I've come in contact with people who are wanting to come here because of what God is doing because they want to be a part of it. Now, there's a little bit of caution there. <laughs> there's a little bit of caution there. But people want to gravitate toward when God is moving. And so after church today, we're going to vote on our future. And bless God, this, this space checks all the bo boxes. And does it need work? Absolutely. But it's set up to start having church day one, which is a rare opportunity. I want you to understand that's rare. That doesn't happen very often. So come August 1st, we'll be ready to move into our church 10 blocks away and have our first service August 7th. 
But when we take possession, this is the last thing I want to talk about. When we take possession, before we move in one item, what we're going to do is we're going to have a prayer and anointing service in the building. Yes. And church, I pray that over time we outgrow that space. I do. I pray we outgrow that space. But again, I want to remind you, I don't, I don't move until God tells me to move. And lastly, before I move into my message, I just want to hear about some of these dates of things God has done. August 21st, I'm told about the building. It, I did that again. My anniversary is August 21st. So it just naturally comes out. Bless God. In fact, I mean, I... You gotta give it to me. I remember dates pretty well. So, I mean, in the end, guys, this is a win-win situation. Um, April, 24th, April 21st, I'm told about the building. April 29th, a team of 14 of us walk through. We come back to the church, discuss it. Unanimously decide to make an offer. May 2nd, we find out there are five offers and multiple higher than ours. May 4th, I'm told by the Presbytery Council, they unanimously voted in favor of our offer. May 11th, it's about 5.30 in the morning and a church reaches out through Facebook Messenger interested in our buildings before they're even listed. May 12th, there's a purchase agreement made for our full asking price. I ask, do you see what God has done? Do you see what God has done? Because I'm going to be honest, church. I was pretty scared of all this because I'm like, oh, Lord, how long would it take to sell these two buildings? And he didn't even get to a date where we'd list it. Church, I've sought God continually throughout this process and said, God, if this isn't you, shut this door. Make it obvious. And each step, what he's done, he's burst those doors wide open. I want to get into our message. Last week I asked you the question, what are you feeding? You remember that? I asked you, what are you feeding? Are you feeding the flesh or are you feeding the spirit? And this week we're going to talk about how to feed the spirit. Imagine for a moment there was a good supply of baby formula, okay? And you decided for lunch today, instead of having that cheeseburger, instead of having that steak, a nice bottle of baby formula sounds really good right now. How many wanted to just throw up at the thought of consuming baby formula, right? It, it, like the, the very thought of it right now sounds disgusting, but we know that in order for us to grow, you have to start somewhere, right? In order to grow, you have to start somewhere. So at one point, you are crying out for that nasty tasting stuff, right? You liked it at one point, but your body needed it. So I want to talk about three phases of spirituality. 
or three stages of spiritual growth. The first one is spiritual infancy. Everyone say infancy. This is the start of our growth. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, it says, like newborn babies, you must crave spiritual milk so that you grow. Everyone say grow. Into a full experience of salvation. Is that a full experience from birth? No, look. It says you'll grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Church, I am telling you, you have to start somewhere. We all started out as infants, except for Josh Morris. He came out of the womb like that. It was the wildest thing. And we as the, sorry, Cindy, I am so sorry. And we as the body of Christ cannot despise spiritual infancy. Are you hearing me? I want you to catch the parallels that I am making in this illustration. We cannot despise spiritual infancy. In fact, we should embrace it because it represents new life coming into the kingdom of God. But infants need fed. And have you personally prepared yourself for the work to teach and raise up others? Because what happens is we can, we can sit here in this church, we can work ourselves to death, and, and we'll do the work again and again and again, or we don't ask other people to step in and help. And there, it's one thing to complain about it in a group-like setting. It's another thing to get up here on stage and say, hey, we need help. It's another thing to bring someone along with you. Are you guys catching me? Okay? It's another thing to bring someone along with you. So what we can do is we can bellyache saying, I wish there was this, I wish there was that. But if we haven't put in the work to raise up the ones to take our place, then what's going to happen is they're going to fall to the wayside. The spiritually young person, on the other hand, they might be thinking, I just wish they'd ask me to be used. And you know, we can say, hey, I announced it on stage. Right? Were you listening when I announced it on stage? Or, or we can say, hey, you heard me complaining about it, this group. That was, that was my little carrot so that you'd take a bite of it. No, they, they were waiting to be asked. But as, if we as a church, if we want to care for new life, you have to be able to provide the right nourishment. Imagine if a baby was crying and you're like, go get your bottle. Right? We couldn't do that. We'd still have to prepare it. We'd have to, we, we'd have to like if you're using baby formula, you have to shake it up. Ladies, I, I, can't, I can't provide food for them. I gotta get it out of a can, you know what I'm saying? Um, sorry. I don't know. But what kind of nourishment are we giving people? We have to give the basics. Church, we have to start at the basic levels. 
For instance, think about it. You don't hand a toddler a quantum physics book. You don't do that. They grow up to be like the super evil genius one day, and then that's a problem. But just like we don't hand a new believer the book of Revelation and say, well, dig in. And furthermore, you will not spiritually grow the way you need to unless you commit to discipleship. Church, I am telling you, you need to join what I'm going to start calling one of our growth groups. You need to join what I call our growth groups, one of our Sunday school classes, one of our Wednesday night classes. And here's the thing that I want to speak to leaders. Don't don't shudder, don't, don't ignore, don't refuse to address difficult questions where our culture challenges what we believe. We have to take that head on and we can't be offended by it because a new believer does not know the difference. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Likewise, we need to be willing to address questions with people who don't understand Scripture. Recently, my wife got a new job at a smaller company. And this company, they don't have training manuals. To me, it's like taking a newborn baby and just throwing them in the ocean and say, okay, figure it out. Now, she does like her job, but someone might ask her to do a task, and they'll call her up and say, hey, did you, did you get that HGQ report done? You know, the one where you plug in the SEL information, and she's like, I don't know what any of that means. Like, you need to, you need to help me out here. You need to draw me a map. This, you know the same thing happens in church life? The same exact thing. Where we, there, there are people that have been a part of that culture for so long that we miss making it understandable to people that are just being introduced to it. That's why we've offered a class to New Life Christians. But New Life Christians have to commit to it. And it's so critical for anyone who's experiencing New Life in Christ, who anyone who is in that spiritual infancy stage to gain the six building blocks of faith, what I call the six building blocks of faith. They are, one, get in God's word daily. Develop a prayer habit. Learn from spiritual mentors. Surround yourself with godly men and women. Live out what you are learning and be obedient to God's call. You guys hear that? And tell others. Tell others. When you start adding these building blocks in, you are going to find yourself graduating into what I call spiritual adolescence. We skipped right over the toddler stage. Aren't you guys thankful? But when you reach the spiritual adolescence, what's going to happen is you're going to start developing a taste for a food and a hunger like you've never had before. If anyone knows my son Isaac, in that adolescent stage, he likes to eat. He likes to eat a lot. I'm talking, guys, it's not just half the box of spaghetti. I'm talking about dumping in the whole thing and saying, yeah, let's eat that. 
Yeah, sometimes two boxes. We don't know. We don't know how much food might be cooked, right? And church, he will eat the whole thing. Carb on carb action. He loves it. But listen to what Matthew 4.4 says. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, in this adolescent stage, what's happened is you've started craving certain things about scripture. You've started looking to certain parts of scripture. Oh, I like that. I don't like that so much, but I really like that. So I'm going to gravitate toward that, and I'm just going to consume all those carbs because they taste so good. But It is at this stage that we start discovering, no, 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 you need your meat and veggies too, you know? You need those other things. And what God does is he creates these cravings for growth into adulthood, but is the key to have a well-rounded approach and this balanced diet in what we receive from Scripture, I've seen Christians gravitate or obsess over elements of who God is and completely miss the big picture. For example, I've met believers who says, I, don't, I won't even read the Old Testament. There's no point. We have Jesus. And Jesus has come and they believe that the Old Testament might be null and void and so they say, I don't need to understand it. Yet when I read the Old Testament, it gives me a greater appreciation for who Jesus is and why God sent him. I've seen Christians obsess over miracles where they need a miracle each and every step of their journey. And I would argue that obsession comes from a wavering of their faith to be obedient to the small things of God, trusting he is working through them in every step. But to get to this point, you must feed yourself. Are you hearing me? You're out of that infancy phase, right? You're out of that stage, so you got to start feeding yourself. Could you imagine if you were at a restaurant today and you saw a parent feeding a a naturally functioning 14-year-old kid? You're like, what on earth is going on here? You have to get to the point where you feed yourself. That means you're not just being fed when you come here to the church. You're being fed on a daily basis because what you are choosing to partake of so we're, now, we're not only talking about being in some form of discipleship, but stepping out and making gains in your faith. Heaven forbid, listen to me, even in the adolescent stage, leading a class, talking to someone about Jesus, praying publicly. It is in this phase, in this stage, We need to take some initiation in our faith. We need to be willing to step out. And who knows, stepping out in faith is scary because you don't have the answer right in front of you. When God tells you to do it, you're going to step out trusting that he is going to provide the footing that you cannot see. And church, we've done that the past three years. We've talked about that. That's what we're doing now. I think about Thailand. That's what we're doing. We're just trusting God. You're going to have this, right? You're going to provide. You're going to do this work. But what I want to warn you against in the adolescent stage 
are growing pains. Growing pains. I want you to be prepared to make mistakes and sometimes you're going to get things wrong. You're going to get things wrong. Because it is in that toddler phase to adolescent phase that we need to expect moments of failure. Are you hearing me, church? So even church leadership needs to expect moments of failure and that we help pick people back up again, not ostracize them and remove them. In Psalm 37, 24, it says, Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. What it says is that the Lord, he carries people through their stumbling. In the church, we need to offer the same opportunity to people. But likewise, that when you are growing in the Lord, you need to be open to correction. You hearing me there? Because let, let, let's tell you what happens. The spirit of rebellion pops up, and the spirit of rebellion says, I don't like that. I want to do my own thing, and I choose not to respond to that. We cannot allow ourselves to be offended if others are trying to push us into spiritual growth. Now, when we're growing up, we might have expectations that, that this path that we're on and what God's going to do, it's this linear path, and we can compare it to someone else and the work that he did inside of someone else. But if there's anything I know about God, there is nothing linear about the path you're on in comparing your story to someone else. And I want you to remember, adolescence is an awkward phase. It is an awkward phase. There's going to be times where there's more questions than answers. There will be challenges, corrections. There will be victories. Times where you think you've achieved maturity only to learn there's still much more to gain in knowledge and growth in the Lord. Once you learn that, I do believe that's the beginning of spiritual maturity. It says number two, but trust me, that's number three. And I can, I can uh, say that because I'm the one that put the slides in. So. But what happens is in this, in this stage of spiritual maturity, it's, it's when you're getting beyond the basics. I want to read for you Hebrews chapter 6, 1 through 3. And we're going we're gonna to wrap this up here pretty soon. But we got a little late start. But that's okay. That's good. Hebrews 6, 1 through 3, it says, So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature. Everyone say mature. In our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. True maturity in the Lord seeks depth and understanding. And what we find when we're in this space of this spiritual maturity, it's not that you ever arrive at a place where the Lord looks at you and he says, everything is complete, everything is done, we are satisfied. 
In fact, I believe that the more you grow in the Lord, the more you realize you don't know anything about God. You know very little. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans eleven thirty three. He says, oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. The ways of God cannot be explained by human reasoning. That's what faith is. Trusting and knowing when you step out. Again, are you hearing me, church? Sounds like most of you are still with me. That's a good thing. Spiritual maturity knows the only source of strength lies in seeking God. And also that nothing else can satisfy. Now lastly, I want to say that spiritual maturity is not the same as having a knowledge of Scripture. You could look at me and say, Pastor, I know the entire Bible front to back. And you know what? If you give me a Sunday, I can preach a sermon ten times better than you can. You'd be surprised the things we've heard, wouldn't you, Pastor Morris? I have met people that have great biblical knowledge, but unless that knowledge is put into practice, it is worthless. You hearing me? So if we are sharing with others, if we can explain God's word and we can argue his word in both simple and complex forms, if we can lead people to Christ, if we can impart wisdom, if we can mentor, be obedient in our own faith, see the Holy Spirit work through us. See the Holy Spirit work through our calling and continue to take steps. God is always going to keep growing us, growing us, and growing us, and growing us. If those things are taking place, then clearly that is a sign to me of spiritual maturity. And all of this that we've talked about starts with one thing. I'm going to simplify it with one thing. Obeying God's word. That's it. That's it. Let's not overcomplicate it. It starts by the first time you're, you're, the, you're this infant and you realize all of a sudden you can hold your own bottle, you know? All of a sudden, there's something in God's word that kind of clicks with you and you realize you need to respond to it. And then these steps start happening where you're being more obedient, more obedient, more obedient. And to where obedience doesn't seem like one of those things that's a dirty word. All of a sudden it's one of those great words, those words that you love. Because you realize that in obedience God blesses, he restores, and that we are in his perfect will. And that is what to me obedience is all about. Because I know that when I am obedient to the Lord, I I, I know I'm just simply being that. Not by guessing what he wants from me, but reading what he wants from me, hearing what he wants from me, and responding in kind. If you learn the word of God and you put it into practice, you are going to grow. You're going to be enriched. You're going to be nourished. But many, they, they, they know the right path, but they continue to take the wrong one. If you do that, you're going to remain stuck. 
I've seen it, I've seen it hundreds of times where someone says, I just don't know why. The devil just keeps kicking me. The devil just keeps kicking me. I'm going through this time and time and time again. And they get so frustrated. And I always go back to this part about obedience. Because God blesses the sons and daughters of obedience. And I want, I, I want to be very clear in that. That doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen. That means that you know how to respond through it. And all of a sudden, you're not crying down here at the altar about every time you get a flat tire. But all, all of a sudden, it's more of understanding where your strength lies when you're going through rough things. That's a part of our obedience. God has provided a way for you and I out of sin, being spiritually dead. But what it comes down to is are you going to be obedient to God and what the Spirit is urging you to do? I want you to bow your heads. And, you know, there are, sometimes it's things obvious that we do that are disobedient to God. Sometimes it's not so obvious His Holy Spirit needs to reveal it to us. But what I am asking, that if the Holy Spirit is revealing to you, you need to commit yourself to being obedient to God's word. I think we need to provide an opportunity for you to respond to that. And so if, if you would say, Pastor, I need to choose God. I need to choose his path, his plan. I know it's the right thing to do. But I need help. I need help from his Holy Spirit. Here's what I would ask you to do. I'd ask you to just commit to the Lord right now. Commit to God right now. Open yourself up to the presence of the Holy Spirit that he might come in, bring conviction into your life. He might guide you on the right path. He might show you the way to go. So if you say today, Pastor, I'm choosing obedience. I need the Holy Spirit to walk with me, to work with me. If that's you, I ask that you stand up right now. Is there anyone? Don't hesitate. Don't wait for someone else to stand. If the Lord's leading you to stand, just do it. Because this is about you and God right now. This isn't about who's sitting next to you and how they're going to respond. It's about what God says to your heart and responding to it. What I want you to do where you're at, if you're able to, to lift your hands up to God and surrender. Father God, I, I... I thank you for those that are honest and open with themselves right now. And Lord, what your spirit is saying. And God, we know that your spirit can be saying different things to each and every person here. And right now, God, I pray for a release and that freedom to be upon these people in Jesus' name. That God, you are going to do a supernatural work there. That your Holy Spirit is going to come down and you are going to show them the right way. And you're also going to show them the wrong way, Father. And Lord, they're going to embrace that God because they believe and know that you are at work and you are doing great things and that God if they just commit to that path, if they commit to that plan, then God they're going to be better off for eternity's sake 
God, I praise you and I thank you for these people. And God, I continue to say, pour out on them in Jesus' name. Pour out on them so that God, your spirit welling up inside of them, it is overwhelming. And that God, they, 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 they just go to the scriptures. And Lord, it breathes life into them. And that God, when they pray, not only are they speaking out to you, but they're sitting back and they're listening. And God, you in turn are speaking to them. Lord, I pray that all this invigorates their spirit, that God, they can't resist going out and telling others about the good things that you are doing. Lord, that is how you work. That is how you reach hearts and minds. And so God, may we be sons and daughters of obedience. I praise you and I thank you, God, for Lord, you are good. And God, one thing that can lump every person in this room together in a group is that we have all fallen short of your glory. We need your son. We are all marred by sin, but we can be cleansed by the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. We praise you and we thank you for that. God, we know that you are good. And all glory, honor, and praise goes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone give God a round of applause. God's good.